forever, 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 ever, forever, ever. We have a list on our website, warrocketajax.com, called Every Story Ever. Forever, ever, forever, ever. What we're doing is we're taking lists from our listeners of three comic book stories, and then we are placing those stories on the list from best to worst comic book stories of all time. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the War Rocket Ajax Every Story Ever special for February 2024. My name is Matt Wilson. Chris Sims is also here. Yep. I am here, Matt, and I've got I've got an idea I want to run past you. Let's hear it. These every story ever specials that we do. Yes, sir. They are they are two hours long because that is our our very generous listeners have gone to Patreon and they have gotten us up to the the right I, I don't know if they mortgaged their house one time, two times. Maybe three times, but they came up with the right number for us to do this for two hours every month. That's right. Yes. It is the agreed no- upon number. So here's, here's what I'm saying. What if we just, what if the first hour was a fucking speed run? All hits, no skiffs. We just, th- we read the title, we rank it. I mean, we've discussed that people. This is what some people have asked for in the past. Yeah, which is which is, I mean, stupid. But like, what if we did that? Because I know that I know that we got a lot of line stepper lists to get through. We do. So, um, what if you know, hour one is just blowing through it. No, no digressions, no diversions. Hour two is actually good. We. Can give that a try. We can give that a try. I actually don't want to do that. I was hoping you would talk me out of it. I mean, I would prefer not to do that. Uh, I was willing to go with it if you were. I do have some housekeeping to do before we do that, though. Okay. All right. What you got for me? So, okay. For people who this is their first episode, why? (laughs) But if it is your first episode, what we do on the show is we rank comic book stories from best to worst on a big list. And currently that list has 1,517 entries. But it is about to get two shorter. Oh, is it? Okay. Because we have ranked two stories twice, both Amazing Spider-Man stories. We do like to talk about Spider-Man a lot. Yes. Okay, what are we? what am I looking for here, Matt? All right. The first thing we've ranked twice is Amazing Spider-Man number two, Duel to the Death with the Vulture, the first story with J. Jonah Jameson. Okay. Uh, it is wait, at what? it is at six nineteen on the list, and it is at ten fifty three on the list. Wow, we were really in a mood at some point. I think the ten fifty three is the more recent. 1053, uh, uh, the 619, the Buyaka 619, uh-huh. is uh, from the uh, January 2023 Every Story Ever. The, the uh, what is it, 10? 
1053. The 1053, I believe, is recent. I believe it was last uh, month. Yeah, according to this, Dual Death with a Vulture, yeah, uh, that was January. We ranked them exactly one year apart. Yes. So That's a precipitous drop. It is. And usually I tend to err on the side of the higher ranking. Uh-huh. But in this case, I'm going to err on the side of the more recent ranking. Because we talked about it pretty thoroughly last month. So 619, Amazing Spider-Man number two, Duel to the Death with a Vulture. Bye-bye. All right. The row is deleted. That makes Usagi Yojimbo Kappa the new number 619. The new which number is that? Six one nine. Buika Buika six one nine. Thank you. There is another double ranking, and that is the story in Amazing Spider-Man numbers three hundred and four and three hundred and five. California Dreamin', aka California Schemin'. Okay. The only we, thing we also I, rank that in January of 2023. The only we have done this list twice. Okay, incredible. That is not as big a that's not a big a gap. We have one at 9:49 and one at 10:22. Uh, Again, exactly one year apart. The only thing that I can figure here is that. We, we, this list was sent to us twice, and thus we did it twice. And also, also, we're getting old. It's true. <laughs> getting old, Matt. Well, it's, I don't want to waste time, like, searching the list for stuff we've already ranked when we look at a list. It's just up to us to remember whether we've ranked something or not. And so... When we get a repeat, it's it's hard to remember sometimes. But nonetheless, uh, yes, I, again, I think we should err on the side of the more recent ranking. I would also say that we should err on the side of the more recent ranking, primarily because I actually put who wrote and drew that story into the more recent one, and I did not do that in 2023. Okay, which one is the more recent ranking? The more recent one would be the lower one. The lower one. Yeah. Uh, so the one at number 949, bye-bye. And now we have done the housekeeping that I wanted to do. With that, now that we have gotten rid of those double rankings, there are now 1,515 comics on the list. Mm-hmm. Number one on the list is Spider-Man, If This Be My Destiny, slash the final chapter. The finest comic ever produced. You you know it. It's it's yeah, I I went and and, and read that one the other day. It's Holds good. Up. Holds it's up. It's good as hell, Matt. I don't know what to it's good as hell. Yeah. And at number fifteen hundred and fifteen at the very bottom is Identity Crisis. I did not go reread that one. Yeah, I will never read that again. Yeah, because it's... it's I, I... I might just to feel something. <laughs> that... I hurt myself today to see if I still feel. I read Identity Crisis today to 
if I still feel. And you could have it all. My detective comics. Man, when, okay. they, when they show that, when they show the picture of June, mm-hmm. that video, that sh- that shit breaks my heart every time. It's heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking. Oh. Okay. I believe last time, Chris, yeah. we left off on this list from the boss dog Patrick O'Duffy. Okay. We ranked Legion of Superheroes Volume Four, numbers one through twelve. Correct. Uh, I I believe that's the five years later run. So I believe we did. I remember the, talking to you extensively about it. It's the start of the five years later run. Yes. Yeah. yeah we yeah. did. We ranked that at number six seventy eight. The second story on Patrick's list is Legion of Superheroes Volume Four, numbers twenty five through thirty six, Terra Mosaic. In which the Legion and Batch SW6 work together to free Earth from the control of the Dominators. All right, bud. I'm going to be a million percent real with you. Mm-hmm. SW6 is where I is where I fade out of the Legion. Okay. Like I come back when in like zero hour, I come back, but SW6. Oh, buddy. Is that the three boot? S no the three the three boot Matt the three boots. <sighs> We're getting the Legion stuff, huh? I mean, this whole list is Legion stuff. I mean, okay. the The three boot was was I was about to say it was Mark Wade and Barry Kitson, but it was Mark Wade and Barry Kitson for the second time. Right? Yeah. 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 SW six was when in the grim darkness of the future, where there was only war. In uh, the Five Years Later Legion, they cloned the original Legionnaires, and so they were running around they, like they were just clones. But that's where like the modernized names of Livewire uh, and I guess Cosmic Boy and Saturn Girl was still Cosmic Boy and Saturn Girl, but. That's the start of like getting the 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 modernized names like Livewire and uh, Triad and and that. Okay. So, but it's. But look, we we've read a lot of comics, Matt. We have you and me, you and me. We've read a lot of comics. <laughs> so many fucking comics, always. Um, so, so like we've, we've had, we've gone through stories with clones and I'm, I'm sure those stories are just fine. I like the creators of those stories, but I'm like, nah, dog, I'll just skip to where this actually becomes canon in zero hour. So we're not ranking this. Not, not going to rank that one. Okay. That makes me think that we're also not going to rank number three on Patrick's list. Legionnaires number one, numbers one through 15, five years later. Art by Chris Sprouse and a bunch of others, which also involves SW6 protecting New Earth until zero hour approaches and the beer bombs leave. Yep. I like the beer bombs. And I know there's good stuff in there. But, but yeah, like, I, like, that's that's gonna that's a pass from me, but 
Okay. And if it's a pass from me, a dude who fucking loves the Legion, I know it's a pass from you. I know you're not going to carry the discussion. I don't know. I Legion is my easily biggest blind spot in comics. When it's good, it's good, man. I believe it. It's just... I thought X-Men was hard to get into mm-hmm. at one time. Legion is ten times that. Yeah, yeah. Legion is... Legion... Yeah, I mean, yeah. You you said it. Yeah. You are absolutely correct. Okay. Our next list is from Thomas Foss. And... Man, Tom Tom Foss has been that's a, that's a dude I remember from back in the back in the Dizzy. Well, Tom, I'm afraid I'm going to have to tell you to resubmit this because this is too many too many things. There's too many things on this list. These are stories that were spotlighted in the July 1998 issue of Wizard Magazine. Damn, that does sound good though. <laughs> It's an interesting list, but it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine stories. Thomas, that's three whole lists, bud. Yes, you. So, it's been it's been three comics for years, bud. Here's what I'm going to tell you: Give Take us one thousand dollars. <laughs> Take the three you think you will we'll get the best conversation out of and submit those and one or two alternates and leave it. This is interesting, and it's a cool idea, but it's too many stories. And tell me in your email about this, and I'll make it the first list we do on the following special whenever you send the resubmitted list. Okay. What is the, what is our, what's our rule for alternates? We allow one alternate, two alternates. uh, There's never been a rule, especially about alternates. People just started doing it. I, I think I can allow up to three alternates because we could disqualify an entire list. I think we can allow up to one alternate. All right, we'll meet in the middle at two. Two alternates max from now on. Uh, Okay. Our next list is from Andrew Goldberg. And uh, Andrew says... Knocking on the door. He's hitting his head on the door and making himself bleed. He did that. I, I got to do something to get "Don't speak" out of my head because that is in there now. True. Yeah. Sure. I've I've had hurt in my head for. I've been doing jokes where I set things to the song "Hurt" for like <laughs> the past several days, and I don't know why. That's. I mean, that's a pretty good. Like, that's a pretty good bit. Like, that's yeah. that's probably always going to be funny. Yeah. All right. Andrew says. He got a big old Batman black and white box set recently. So the theme of this is is Batman black and white stories. All right. All right. So first is The Devil's Trumpet 
from Batman Black and White number one by Archie Goodwin and Jose Munoz. I mean, I can tell you that's a story with a funny name. I can tell you that for free. The Devil's Trumpet? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, surely to God I have read this. Because A, it's in Batman Black and White number one. And B, it's an Archie Goodwin Batman story, which I've, I believe I have on purpose read all of those. Uh, R.I.P. to Archie Goodwin, the only good editor who ever lived. <laughs> Let's see. It is the last story in Batman Black and White number one. I, I'm sure I'm sure I read it. But I really don't. I, I certainly can't remember it on title alone. Mm. Let's see. Oh, it's only like. Oh no! I it, I thought it was a shorter story. I don't remember this at all. I I'm sure I did re- read it at some point, but it's about like a jazz musician at a. Uh, who like plays at a Gotham City club? I'll tell you what, Batman Black and White number one. That's got that. Uh, th- is this Batman Black? And- this is ninety six, right? Because yeah, because uh, Archie Gibbon would have been dead <laughs> for the others. Yeah, this is from nineteen ninety six. Uh, Batman Black and White number one has some good ass stories in it. It's got that Bruce Tim Two Face story that's really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got. It's got like a, uh, it's got like a Ted McKeever story that's you know, if if really depends on if you like Ted McKeever, uh, but it's got a Joe Kubert story. It's got some good looking Batman in it. Love that stuff. Yeah, I have no recollection of this Archie Goodwin Jose uh, Munoz story. Yeah, I'm looking at it. I. Just... Lord help me, I don't remember it at all. I can tell you there's a kick-ass panel of Batman jumping through the window. Yeah. But other than that, I do not re- recall this story at all. All right. I think we gotta. I think we gotta set it aside then. How about this story from Batman Black and White number four, Heroes, by Archie Goodwin and Gary Gianni. That that issue's got that Alex Hoth cover, man. That is such a fucking great cover. Here's the problem with that cover: is nothing in this comic is going to be as good as that cover is. It's true. <laughs> like, here's what we got: uh, we got a Brian Bolin story. It's probably pretty good. We got a Kevin Nolan story. It's pretty good. We got this uh, Denny O'Neill Brian Selfridge story. It's probably pretty good. We got a Katsuhiro Otomo story in here. That's probably pretty good. Yeah. But ain't none of them as good as that Alex Toth cover, man. <laughs> I don't remember this either. Like, I I know I've read these, and I've probably read them multiple times. But I do not recall these. I have to say, I like I I feel like I read I've read every Batman Black and White issue there is but every single one of those stories completely just slid right off my brain yeah like i feel like there's 
The problem with Batman Black and White is that they were short stories. They were like eight pages, right? Yeah. And they were, most of the time, they were like artist showcases. For sure. So, so like, they're, for me, they have to be something very, I don't want to say special, but like, they have to be really memorable, like that Bruce Timm story. That that Two Face story because that one's really good and very memorable. Uh, or they have to have like a gimmick that sticks with you, like that uh, that Warren Ellis and Jim Lee story from Gotham Knights number one. Like I remember that one because uh, it's very very just a simple gimmick. But okay, you would think I would remember this one by by the creator of Lone Wolf and Cub, and yet here we are. Yeah, as okay. Based on looking at it just now, it seems like this story is about the child of a of an artist slash designer who works too hard, and he owes money to some gangsters. the The dad, and so the gangsters kidnap the son and take him away on a blimp, like. They get a giant blimp and with the kidnapped kid. But before or before they could put the kid on the blimp, Batman flies by in a Leonardo da Vinci style flying machine. Oh, it's his it's his autogyro from the Golden Age, Matt. <laughs> yes, that's what it is. Uh and and saves the kid and then returns returns him to his dad. And then like his dad's got drawings of Batman's various gadgets. So I guess the guy designed the auto gyro and the batarang and the Batmobile. I mean, that's, that sounds like a pretty good story. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's an Archie Goodwin story. It's probably going to be pretty good. It looks good. It's pretty good, but is it, Super especially memorable? Clearly not. <laughs> well, clearly memorable for for some people, but not for the two people who host this show. Yeah, it's is. I guess this is supposed to be a golden age Batman. In this. Looks like it. He's got he's got the the ang- angled ears. Yeah. All right. Let's see if we can get one of these. Sorry, uh, let Legend by Walt Simonson from Batman Black and White number two. Uh, I'll tell you what I do remember. The Walt Simonson Batman Black and White story? Walt Simonson story. Because it's fucking wild. Because this story's in the future. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's future. I remember the Walt Simonson future Batman story, yeah. Yeah. Because it's it's a story about, uh, about, like, you know, in the far future, when Gotham is nice, the story that they tell their kids is like, yeah, it used to really suck here, and then Batman happened. But right. the Batman that they tell the story about is like Walt Simonson trying to imagine Jack Kirby designing Batman and then drawn by Walt Simonson. Right. It's, it's you know how they did the imaginative Stan Lee created whatever? Mm-hmm. This is like a good version of what if instead of what if Stanley created, what if Jack Kirby created Batman? 
Yeah, it's just, I, I can't, because the costume is like almost Azrael, but it's almost like Azrael Batman, but it's almost as bats in a very Jack Kirby, Walt Simonson sort of way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then the, the reveal at the end of the story is, oh, this future is actually bad. Um, but, you know, much like King Arthur, Batman is going to rise again. And then uh, the last panel is Batman beats up a cop, A+. plus. Great story. Yeah, it's it like it's like predicting Batman Beyond before Batman Beyond. Yeah. Well, hang on. Would this have been before Batman Beyond? 96? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah this story rules actually. <laughs> yeah, no, it's I mean it's doing a short story in comics is so difficult. And you've you've done it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um Doing like an eight pager or a twelve pager, I mean honestly, doing like a twenty pager standalone is not easy, but doing an eight pager that has any kind of like impact impact or like is from a story perspective memorable in any way like if you're a great artist, if you're like a a Walt Simonson. You know, you can just draw eight cool-ass pictures of Batman. Uh, not what Walt Simonson did in this comic, but, like, he could have. Kind of what Brian Boland did <laughs> in his. Yeah, but here's the thing. Like, I think if you're going to do an eight-page story that is standalone, this is the way to do it. Like, give the readers something totally off the wall and different. Because if you try to just do, like, a standalone story that's a Batman adventure, it's not going to stick. Almost definitely. I mean, yeah, it, it's possible. But, like, the shorter stories that I always remember are the ones that are more... That, that, that take bigger risks, that, that do something weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, or I remember them because they're really bad, like that one where Superman was like, oh, oh shit, there's nothing I can do. Remember yeah. that? Yeah. Like, it's... Eight pages is not a lot of real estate. Yeah. Like, that's... If you're if you're trying to write a story with, like, three-act structure, that's less than three pages per act. And that's so difficult. And so, like, when... When you come across one that like manages to establish a thing, get, get in it, be memorable, do some good stuff. Like the Bruce Tim story is like on a 16 panel grid. I think like it's, it's cramming a lot into there. This one's just like, boom, did it, did it, did it. And then Batman beats up a cop at the end. And and notably there is not a three act structure. It is, it's like a vignette. It's, there is a three act structure though, but like act one and act three are one page. Right. Yeah. And then the middle act is just like, Hey, Batman's pretty cool. <laughs> Which right. I agree with. <laughs> yeah. Short stories are hard. like my least favorite comics I've ever written have been the short ones. If you, if, if in, in case anybody's wondering, the short ones are the worst ones <laughs> as far as, as I'm concerned. Not always. 
but sometimes. No, I mean like for mine. Oh, I particular. see. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like we have some proof that there are great short oh, comic there's stories. A, there's a damn two page story on this list. Yeah, I mean, pancakes is. I think about pancakes like once a week. The Hellboy yeah, story pancakes. All you have to do to tell a good short story in comics is be as good as Mike Mignola or Walt Simonson. <laughs> yes. Just yes. do that. All right, let's rank this. Let's rank uh, Legend by Walt Simonson from Batman Black and White number two. Uh, I mean, it's good. Again, it's not meaty. It's, right. it's not like, I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's going to be as, like, it's not going to crack, like, the tip top of the list, but, like, it's it's solid, and it's got some good art. Yeah, I, I really like it when, I think a great short story about Batman is about Batman as an idea rather than Batman as a character. If that al- it almost has to be, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and to be fair, I think that jazz, that, that devil's trumpet story is kind of that because it's from the perspective of like just a guy who lives in Gotham, like a musician who lives in Gotham. But uh, I would have to read it more closely to be, be able to rank it. Yeah. Uh, all right. Give me a neighborhood for this. Man, it is wild that the front cover of Batman Black and White number two is a a Frank Miller Batman that's like fine. And then, like, the inside front cover is a Mike Kaluta Batman that kicks ass. Yeah. What's weird about Kaluta the Frank Miller... The, what's weird about the Frank Miller Batman is, one, it's not in black and white. I mean, it is, but no. the background is red. And then also, there's no... he's The bat symbol is not visible. Yeah. He looks like the fixer. He, <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah, uh, the Alex Toth cover is the only one that doesn't have color on it. Like, there's yeah. a spot color on all the other ones. Yeah, uh, Alex Alex Toth uh, understood the assignment. Alex Toth isn't a coward. Correct. Correct. Uh, where do you think this goes? I think it's 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 pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's better I mean, than we thought. Amazing Spider-Man number two was at least once. <laughs> I would agree with that. I would agree with that. I mean, at eight hundred is Batman: War of Jokes and Riddles? Question mark. Question mark. Question mark. At seven ninety nine is Batman Annual number four every day. I think this is better than both of those. Yeah. Uh, at 600, we have Phonogram, the Immaterial Girl. I don't think it's that good. Yeah. At 700, we have Final Crisis, Legion of Three Worlds. <laughs> that, that comic's a little bit of a mess. It's good. It's a little bit yeah. of a mess. I think this is better than that. Okay. Uh, but I don't think weirdly similar. I don't think it's as good as Michel Fife's Bloodstrike Brutalists. Okay, so in between those two are Detective Comics Rise of the Batman, Punisher like Acts of War, Punisher Acts of Vengeance, 
And that's it. I like that more too. I think it goes with the new 699. Or the new 700. Yeah, the, sorry, the new 700. All right. Uh, so I'm just going to say Batman Legend, and in parentheses, I'll say Batman Black and White number two. Uh, Simonson. Or I guess I'll specify Walt Simonson, because there's there's two Simonsons in comics. At least. Yeah. All right. We do not... We do not disrespect Louise Simonson on this podcast and in our lives. Never, never will we do that. All right. Uh, thank you for that list, Andrew. Our next list is from David LaRoss. And David says he thinks these stories are pretty good. Well, the, the, if you, look, if you already know they're pretty good, then you don't need us to rank them. <laughs> you're setting yourself up to get mad I know this game uh, the first one on David's list is In Blackest Night which is the story from Tales of the Green Lantern Corps annual number 3 by Alan Moore, Bill Willingham, Terry Austin Gene D'Angelo and John Costanza boy that's that's a creative team that I've had some some real swings and feelings about over the years yeah uh, quite a group, quite a group. All right. Uh, which, so this, which story is this? It's, it's Alan Moore. So is this is this Mogo? Is this there's there's not a there's there's not a ton of Alan Moore options in. Uh, yeah. Is this Rollup fan? Oh, it's Rollup fan, isn't it? I'll bet it is. It's Rollup fan. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Rollup fan's a pretty good idea. That's like. You want you want to talk about somebody who uh who had like those really good short story ideas? Uh huh. Alan Moore. Yeah, yes, Alan Moore has has done quite a few like short stories that actually really hit. He, like, here's the weirdest thing about Alan Moore and Detective Comics comics. Green Lantern's kind of the perfect book for him. Like, he's the one writer, the original writer, uh-huh. who's like, yeah, that dude should just do Green Lantern stories. And they would probably be pretty good. Because it's all like, it's all like stuff like Mogo, right? Like, Mogo, who went from being a very cool little footnote to being the most overused character in in Detective Comics comics very quickly. True. Yeah. But like, you know, Mogo and Rollup Fan and like like there's there's good ideas that are not great ones for for an ongoing series. But just like really good short story ideas. I think I think this one's six pages. And it's like a really solid story. Uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, uh, basically, this is the story of Rotlop Fan, who is a Green Lantern from a planet with no light. So he doesn't have eyes. He has no concept of color. 
he doesn't know what a Green Lantern is. He has no frame of reference. It's a very mid-century sci-fi, like, Star Trek-y idea of how do you explain a Green Lantern to a character, to someone who has no concept of what green is and no concept of what a lantern is. Like, let alone getting into the, yeah, that's what we're called, but we're actually like space cops. <laughs> like, how do you do that? Right. And so the, uh, the story, cause it's, um, it's, uh, uh, Kat Matui is sent to recruit this guy and her solution is what's okay. Do you know what a bell is? Because she's communicating with him telepathically with the ring. And he's like, yeah, obviously I know what a bell is. And she's like, great. What's your favorite sound? And he's like, F sharp. And so he's not a Green Lantern. He's the F sharp bell. Right. That's a great little idea. Because when she approaches him, she keeps saying... Hey, I'm here for the green from the Green Lantern Corps. I want to recruit you, but she's talking to him through a translator, mm-hmm. and so every time she says the word "green," it's untranslatable in parentheses because he doesn't have a word for green. Why would he? Yeah, yeah. doesn't know what green is. Doesn't know what a lantern is. Yeah, and. Like, the idea of him being like, like, yeah, okay, well, what do you know? F-sharp bill, you got it. It's your job to protect this place. And then there's a bit about how she's like, yeah, I didn't even mention that it's weak to the color yellow. Cause, <laughs> like, that's not going to be an issue. <laughs> it It is funny, I, or f- not funny, but fun, that when he rings the bell, like the F sharp note ringing the bell. I mean, partially because the bell is green because it's made out of light from the ring, mm-hmm. but it's like the sound is green. Yeah. Right. So like, it, it's like synesthesia, uh, where the sound is green. Yeah. I think it's also really good because this is a, this is a, you know, in comics, which have no sound. Like, it's a, it's, it's a good little more story. Oh, and then because Bill Willingham's a weird 80s comics pervert, like, Katmatui is topless in the last panel. Yeah. <laughs> For no <Yeah>. reason. <laughs> right. Where, where she's like, hey, this was such a weird situation that one of the Guardians made a joke. Which was, oh, we won't keep him in the dark for too long. Which is, yep. you know, not, not the best joke, but... <laughs> but you know, it is a joke. Gantha doesn't usually tell jokes, I guess. It's true, yeah. Maybe he should avoid it. It's a fun little story. It's a it's a great idea. It is, it is the definition of a great little story. It's memorable. It does something cool. It's additive to, like, what... Like... A thing that I think a lot of comic sci-fi doesn't do enough, I think I think most like a lot of sci-fi doesn't do enough is like like what are like aliens should not be like us. Yeah. Like 
Star Trek, they got a good excuse, because the makeup budget only goes so far. The Star Trek has more aliens that are non-humanoid than you think. They just can't show them. Yeah. Like, the Tholians, I think, have ex- have appeared on screen, like, twice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because they're weird bug monsters that make webs with their ships. So, like, they didn't have a budget to show them until, I think, Enterprise. Yeah. I think so they it, appear on screen in the original series, but just as a head. But yeah. To be fair, like Star Trek does this to a degree, where where they'll have like weird alien species that are totally different from humans, or like lack some sense that humans lack, or or human humans have, or will be like incorporeal. Or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, like, aliens that are just people, but they have, like, a weird thing on their head and a strange culture, which is sometimes a culture like a country from Earth. We just don't say it. <laughs> uh-huh. That's ba- That's not great. Yeah. Always. But I mean, like, you know. Or, or they're like 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 uh, Betazoids, who are meant to be a full ass other planet that just look like Marina Sirtis and Majel Barrett. I mean, I can buy that. Like, I, I, I it's fine for aliens to look like humans sometimes. It's Matt. It's but, absolutely fine. Yeah, I'm just saying. If you have the opportunity, and comics and animation have the opportunity, and I think that's why, like, you get a lot of the, like, there's that that one three-armed dude from Star Trek who only appears on the animated series, uh, and then also, like, shows up in Lower Decks. <laughs> like, yeah. Or, like, the cat people that also started on Star Trek the Animated Series and came back on Lower Decks. Like, comics and animation, go wild. Shouldn't just be regular people. As much as it is. Legion of Superheroes should have more weirdos in it. The notion of an alien species from a place with no light. So all of their experience and all of their culture is built around sound. Is brilliant. Yeah. Especially in the context of, like, here is our character who is a Green Lantern whose ring makes things out of light. Right. And like there, and then there's a really good panel where Kamatu is trying to teach him the oath, and it's in untranslatable, in untranslatable, no evil shall escape my untranslatable. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's a good bit. Yeah. It's a good bit. Because again, like, uh, roll up then. Why would they have words for colors? Yeah. Good stuff, man. Yeah. Oh, and also the the symbol on his chest is not the lantern; it's a bell. It's a bell. <laughs> and he gets the costume. Yeah. Yeah. And instead, Good. like, and the ring kind of like permanently makes a little bell on yeah. his hand. It's great. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. It's a really fun little story. Yeah. It's it's not like top of the list material, but it's fun. It's a fun little story. It's not top of the list material because it's very smart comics and we like dumb comics. (laughs) (laughs) 
unfortunately, it's not a comic where uh, uh, there is a a bold statement about uh, the uh, the tyranny of organized religion and how easy it is for people to believe the worst in others, and and then also Guts is just going to come hit him with a big sword. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> Fuck yeah. There's, there's. He doesn't lift anything heavy. Rob he doesn't lift up a heavy thing. Yeah. And then, and then Bill Williams' weird old '80s comics pervert at the end. I'm kind of yeah. looking in the same neighborhood where we just were, like high six hundreds, low seven hundreds. Yeah, I mean, like I think it's like I I knew exactly which comic this was pretty early on. Yeah, because it's very memorable and it's a really clever idea. It's fun to talk about. It's fun to read. I think it's like at number five hundred we have Midvale School for the Gifted, which I don't think I don't know if that's a story, but I think it's it's better than this. You think that's better than this? Okay, yeah, okay. That's because it's hashtag relatable. True. True. It is a gag. It it is a gag. But nonetheless, we've ranked it. Yeah, like I, I feel like it's I mean I is it is it better than that Fantastic Four Acts of Vengeance uh issue where the FF fight all the shitty villains? I'm I'm gonna say no. I mean I was looking lower than than five hundred. Yeah, I mean, like I, I, but I think it's like I think it's better than six hundred. Like it's very comparable to what we have at five ninety seven, which is that Flash issue where uh, a guy opens fire in a movie theater and Wally like kicks into super speed automatically. Yeah. yeah okay. We've got a lot of Flash stuff all grouped together. Yeah. Around there, so breaking that up, I would not mind that. Man, here we are back at the original. The original sticking point, Matt. The original every story ever question. Yeah. Is it better than Planet Hulk? No. no. See, I don't think it is either. Planet Hulk good as hell. Yeah. Hulk makes yeah. a bug friend. Yeah. I, I do think it's better than Frankencastle. Okay. Which is a 605, 605 live. It's, is it better than when Superman wrestled an angel? No. Is it better than JLA Imaginary Stories? No. Okay, so right above Frankencastle. You know, you know whose side I'm on in the Wizard Wars? <laughs> All right, I'm going to say Green Lantern in Blackest Night. And then put in parentheses, uh, Green Lantern Corps, annual number three. Uh, And I think that makes that clear what that is. Okay. Imagine the world where, like, Alan Moore was just happily doing six-page Green Lantern stories for DC Comics. And everybody got along. I doubt he was happy even doing this. <laughs> I think he was. I think he, he was. was. And then, like, shortly after this, he got very unhappy. 
Yeah. Uh, all right. Next on David's list is Fantastic Four Volume 3, number 63 through 64, Small Stuff slash Big Stuff, by Mark Wade, Mike Ringo, Carl Kiesel, Paul Mounts, and Chris Eliopoulos, where Johnny, as the team's new CFO, license out, licenses out unstable mole- molecules to a clothing company. Now, first and foremost, Mike Ringo did not draw both of those issues. Mark Buckingham drew one of them. Yeah. So, so what you're saying is throw it in the trash. Not what I'm saying. Uh, but I you're saying, hey, 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 Bucky, get the <laughs> fuck out of here. It it is also not number sixty three and sixty four. It's number sixty five and sixty six. Unbelievable that we uh, should have to deal with this. <laughs> uh, I remember this story being fun. It is not my favorite story of the run uh, and kind of not even close, but it it is a fun one. As I recall. Yeah. I mean, Uh, it's a, uh, it's, it's, as we have often said, it is a Mark Wade comic, which means that there is like a baseline level of this is pretty good. Yeah. So what happens in the story is that, uh, you know, Reed and Sue and Ben one want to give Johnny some more responsibility. Uh, so they, they make him chief financial officer and two, they're, they're busy doing their own stuff. Like Reed is doing tests on Ben with weird Kirby machinery. Uh, and they're dealing with some kind of alien infestation in in the Baxter building, I think. Like, there's a big, uh, like, two-page splash page right at the beginning where this, like, alien cockroach-looking creature is eating Ben's chips. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty fucking good. Like, Mar- Mark Buckingham, pretty good. Don't get me yeah, wrong. Mark Buckingham's pretty good. Yeah. So Johnny, oh, they they do like an aliens riff at one point, where Ben's in the in the uh, ventilation ducts, looking for him. But anyway, uh, Johnny sells unstable molecules to this clothing company, and it's not Johnny being stupid, like maybe you would expect. I don't, I don't know why you would say I would expect that. I respect Johnny Storm. Because you know full well that almost every writer who comes on Fantastic Four has to do a Johnny's got to grow up story. It is know? honestly my least favorite part of every run of FF. Yeah. And Wade did that to a degree, but he also did it in a clever way. And this is this is part of it, but so here's the thing. Johnny sells this to the clothing company, and he says, you have to use the unstable molecules for good things. Like, give firefighters and, like, you know, people who who put their lives at risk more protection with with these clothes. Like, 
this is a way for people to be safer in their jobs. And like immediately, like as soon as Johnny leaves, these ruthless business people start trying to reverse engineer the unstable molecules. Yeah. And and basically like the problem is unstable molecules have to be locked. Right. So they have to like, like the fantastic four costumes, you have to be like this, this is the base shape of this. Right. But if you don't do that, then they are just unstable molecules and then they start, uh, you know, very much like the uh, universal solvent. Uh, they just start unstable, destabilizing everything, <laughs> which is a pretty good bit. It's a pretty right. fun, pretty fun bit. So when they try to reverse engineer the unstable molecules, they see written on one of the molecules: "If you can see this, you just violated our contract." Yeah, because Johnny's again, Johnny's smarter than you think he is. So. They're like, what do you mean we just violated the contract? And then Johnny shows up in the doorway and he like sets the contract on fire. And he's like, this was not part of our agreement that you like reverse engineer all of it. Doesn't he set them up? Isn't it like he leaves behind, like he leaves his wallet behind? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. That's the, that's what they're trying to examine. Uh, and, and like reverse engineer. And, because they did this, their whole building starts becoming unstable and falling apart. And eventually, Sue has to come get involved. And she has to uh, like hold the building up with a force field. And, and stop it from uh, completely collapsing. Uh, so that's, what, that, that's how it all turns out. Uh, the, there's also like the whole B plot about Reed and Ben like trying to exterminate these like bug like uh, monsters, and and it's fun. It's a very fun story. Mark Buckingham draws both parts, so it's not Moringo at all. Um, it's it's really good. It's really fun. It's got a great twist where like again Johnny is smarter than you might assume the problem is or i don't this isn't even a problem but it's worth noting that the best story of the run is right after this yeah yeah that's that's unfortunate (laughs) yeah uh yeah i mean like like i said i i I'm not going to mince words, man. I hate stories where Johnny has to grow up because he yeah. does it in every run. And then somebody else comes on there. They're like, Hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to tell a story where Johnny storm. He's got to grow up. Like, like I'm shocked that Ryan North hasn't done it yet. I mean, I think Ryan North knows by now not to, <laughs> Yeah, but like every long run of FF has that story, and it's never, like, it's never good. I mean, I mean this is probably the best one because this story is like perfectly fine. But like, there's one where like John Byrne does that one where like a kid sets himself on fire because he wants to yeah. be like Johnny Storm. Yeah, 
Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? And also, Johnny's got that bad haircut in that run. That's... I, we talk about Ultima Spider-Man's haircut a lot. Johnny Storm's fucking skateboard slang is the worst haircut in comics history. <laughs> the worst bit in this story, as far as Johnny's immaturity is, goes, is... Like he pulls he pulls one over on these crooked business people, which is great, right? Mm-hmm. And then the building is collapsing because it's all going unstable. And then Sue shows up, and he's like, "Hey, Sue, your force fields are pure energy. So if you use one to seal the area totally, like seal off this building completely from everything else." then there won't be a domino effect that like makes everything around it unstable. And Sue's reaction to this is, are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) Cause I've never used my, uh, force fields on anything of this scale before. And, Sue tells him, like, you you got in over your head. And Johnny's like, well, you put me there by, like, giving me this responsibility. Uh, and then, like, you know, she manages to do it with her force field. But, like, there is the whole implication of, like, Johnny wasn't stupid in the way you thought. But then he thought Sue could just fix it. You know? I mean, that's, you know, it's a safe bet, though. Yeah. I mean, she does, but it's not. <laughs> you know, Sue can probably fix it. Yeah. That's that's what every Johnny grows up story should be. It should be being like, I don't know, man, Sue, Reed, they can probably fix this. Yeah, yeah. They're the, they're the two smartest people in the world. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a good story. It's a solid story. It's not even close to to the best part, the best story of this run. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so let's see. Let's see. I'm just looking at other Fantastic Four stories in general. Yeah, I'm uh, definitely scrolling down. New Fantastic Four is at number 544. It ain't that good. Ain't that good. I'm in like the 900s at this point. Because it ain't as good as Calf Wolf. Okay. Okay. We have the story where John Byrne brings Gene back, which is in a Fantastic Four comic. Never forget. Never forget that after Gene Grey died, she came back in Fantastic Four. Uh, that's it, one, number 1018. I think this is better than that. So, 900s is probably where it goes uh it's not as good as uh loki 2019 for sure uh at 950 we have a nancy strip with sluggo's water pistol i have that at 951 oh that is 951 uh little spuggy's christmas is at 950 yeah 
this is as good as that. It's as good. I mean, it's definitely better than uh, Hot Claws for Hanukkah. Yeah. A comic that I feel like we ranked because we are we have sworn to rank every comic book story ever published. <laughs> a baffling story. An absolutely baffling. Truly baffling. Baffling. Uh, okay. I think this is better That's than... Where it's like, in five years, people aren't going to know what the fuck this was, but like, I didn't know what it was in 2019. I think Kitty versus a Demon is better than this. I think Rosalind plays Calvin Ball is better than this. Is this better than that Nick Fury Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. issue, single issue we have at 949? Nah, man. Okay, so I th- then I think this is the new number 950. I think you're right. All right that so Nick Fury story is called Dark Moon Rise Hellhound Kill and is drawn by Jim Starango, and like that splash page alone is better than anything that happens in this story. It's fair, fair. So this is issues number issues 65 and 66 of Fantastic Four Volume 3. And it's called Small Stuff, Big Stuff. Okay. Uh, Finally on David's list is Amazing Spider-Man Volume 6, Number 6, also known as Legacy Number 900, by Zeb Wells, Ed McGinnis, and a whole bunch of colorists and anchors. Uh, which is the story with the return of the living brain. That story is so good. That story is actually extremely good. Like, I don't know that I would recommend every story from the Zebwell Spider-Man run to people. Like, it appeals to me Mm -hmm. in a very... direct way but i can understand why somebody might not be into you know tombstone sanding his teeth back down (laughs) going back to the old me i fucking love it yeah but i understand but this story with the return of the living brain like going way back and making it like all about who who Peter Parker is, who Spider-Man is deep down. It's fucking good. It's good. Like he knows. He knows that after when he teams up with the Sinister 6, they're going to turn turn on him. Uh-huh. He knows that when the living brain is like, why don't you just kill your enemies? There's like a logic to that, and he still won't do it. Yeah. Plus, there's that bit where, uh, like, the super adaptoid thing comes out and says all the lines from Amazing Spider Man Annual number one. Yeah. That's good. Yep. And it's got that thing where, like, uh, Dr. Octopus's old arms are like a dog that loves J.J. Jameson. Which was a running thing. Yeah. In the book for a little while, yeah. I, I love that. I love I love Doc Ock's arms being a little dog that loves J.J. Jameson. Oh, that's right. Okay, so he teams up with the Sinister Sticks to beat the Super Adaptoid thing. Yeah. 
Which is the living brain, right? Like, it is... Yes. Uh, the living brain makes the super adaptoid thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, again, Spider-Man knows full well that as soon as... I mean, he acts surprised. <laughs> At one point, he's like, what? I thought we were a team. And the Sinister Six, like, obviously and clearly attacks him. And, like, have him on the ropes and, and everything. And, oh, man, there's that one bit where they're, like, uh, w- like we're going to kill him. And Craven's like, hold on a second. If you destroy the brain, Spider-Man, I'll let you live. And Spider-Man just, like, gets up and he says, if it's me or the brain... Come and get me. Yeah, that shit rules. And also when Otto Ooh. tries to kill him and the arms won't kill him because they're like a little dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, love that. And then the living brain is like, can this be Spider-Man? I, 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 the, the question I had to answer is, can this, who is Spider-Man? And yet he, here he stands, ready to give his life to protect me because I was defenseless. And so my question is answer. This is Spider-Man. Yeah, it is. That shit gets me. Yeah, man. I have That's been good. not. Because, like, anytime a story is like, who's Spider-Man? He's the guy who does the right thing. Fuck. Fuck. Yeah, man. I like Spider-Man. I love him. He's great. Like, like, look, I love stories where it's like, hey, Spider-Man's the guy who loses even when he wins. Because that is, like, integral to Spider-Man. Yes. Right? But when the story is, Spider-Man is the guy who does the right thing, even at great expense to himself. Like, when the spin on he loses even when he wins is that... He loses because, like, he could win if he let something bad happen. But he can't. So he he will put himself in the way of the bad thing happening. And that's who Spider-Man is. That, that, that will get me every time you tell that story. Every single fucking time. It's it's what's great about him. Yeah. Like it's it's how he works as a character. And I like it is the the art of this story is like telling that in a fun new way. Because that's at the heart of every good Spider-Man story since 1963, and there's a lot of them. Yeah. There's a lot of good ones. I mean, like it's a it's he's good. Yeah. All right, I don't think this is quite to the level of that chip issue from Spectacular Spider, like his last issue of Spectacular Spider-Man, mm-hmm. which we have at number ninety. But this story is pretty fucking good, man. It's pretty good, and I mean, like, also Ed McGinnis is really good. Yeah, it's 
the I art is a great job the art in this. Like drawing a Spider Man, I think Ed McGinnis is really good at. But B drawing like a super adaptoid of all the Sinister Six, <laughs> and uh-huh. then also like all the Sinister Six. Like it's a lot to draw, and and everybody like it is. I mean this in the best possible way. Everybody is their most action figure selves. Like everyone yeah. looks like if you go to the store and you're like, I want a Spider-Man. That's what, that's what you want. Like, that's what he looks like. Like I want Doc Ock. That's, that's the Doc Ock I want. You know, everybody in this comic looks like that. Plus it's got yeah. that great John Romita Jr. Cover. That has that that has the Sinister Six on it, but it specifically has Doc Ock from when he had a cocaine rocket. <laughs> yeah, John <laughs> Jr. was like, I know which one I need to draw. Craven just goes like Craven, but that is a specific white suit, Doctor Doom or Do- Doctor Octopus. Yeah, I think John Romita Jr. especially likes to draw that version of Doctor Octopus because I feel like I've seen it multiple times. Like John, Rame- if John Romita Jr. is going to draw Doctor Octopus, he's in that white suit. Yeah, I think I have a suspicion that Junior uh, Junior likes to draw suits. Yeah, I think so. I think you're right. And and so, like, if there is a character, like you know, Vulture never really wore a suit. Craven never really wore a suit. The Doc Ock sure did when he yeah. had a cocaine rocket. Oh, another thing. Uh, is about the way this issue ends when like okay so the living brain like cap like you know puts the sinister six in a in a cube mm-hmm. <laughs> and sends them away six sides man one for each of them yeah and uh and then spider-man like webs up the living brain's power source and he's like hey i gotta unplug you Cause, you know, it's cool. It's cool that you like figured out who I was, everything and everything. But, uh, but I gotta, I gotta unplug you because of like all the chaos you caused. But I'm not gonna let anybody hurt you, so don't worry about that. Uh, it's a great issue. It's a it's- great single issue story. And, and it's recent enough. Like I remember talking about how much we really loved this issue when it came out. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. we got to figure out where to put this. Uh, like I, I don't think it quite cracks the top one hundred. Does it crack the top five hundred? I think it does do that. Yeah. Okay. I would be willing to put it in the one hundreds. It. I don't. At number two hundred, we have uh, that Iron Man Darkhold comic that we yeah. flip the fuck out about. I think this is as good as really that good. I think this is well. Okay, okay. I was gonna say I think it's as good, but okay, maybe in the two hundred somewhere then. Uh, all right. Uh, let's see. At three hundred uh, is Sandman number fifty. My yeah, favorite issue of Sandman. I think this can go above that. Uh, yeah, I think I think weirdly, weirdly comparable. V- very good single issues, like anniversary, you know, big round number issues that tell a really good story. 
Okay. This one is obviously better. It's got Spider-Man in it. Yes. I think this is better than Hellboy Seed of Destruction, the first Hellboy story, which is at number 286. All right. Uh, right above that, we have The Goon Chinatown, which does have like one of my favorite sequences in comics history. Fair. When the goon has his his breakdown in the mirror. Yeah. That's that is virtually untouchable comics craftsmanship. Okay, so do you want to put it between those two? I think so. I think that's a I think that's a good place to put it. Alright. I'm just gonna put on the list Amazing Spider Man number nine hundred. Amazing Spider Man Tony Hawk. <laughs> Uh, and I'll put number six in volume. What is the Wells actual name of this story? And McGinnis. Um, it doesn't have a title. It, does it not have a title? Yeah. yeah. It might not. be Happy Birthday Spider-Man. Which is something Black Cat says on the last page, and it's in a different font. There's a lot of stuff in different fonts in this, though. Yeah. But, like, there's no title on the title page for the issue. The blurb on the cover is, I think, versus the Sinister Seven, or just the Sinister Seven. And it's in that. (laughs) It's in Spider-Man font. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all know about how I send Matt uh, a screenshot every time I see the Spider-Man font, right? Every time. Every time. And my reply is always just Spider-Man font. Uh, what was it? I think it was when you were here and we went to go see AEW. And somebody's, somebody's like entrance video had yeah. it. And I just yeah. leaned over and went, Spider-Man font. I forget who it was, but yeah. I'm going to Revolution next weekend. If somebody's entrance has the Spider-Man font, I'll, I'll send you a video. Get that phone out. Yeah. Be ready every time. Yeah. Uh, all right, David, thank you for sending that list. That's a good comic, man. Chris, our next list comes from Steve Lee. And this list is called We Deserved Doomsday Clock. Oh, okay. Well, who's who's the we in that <laughs> sentence? Well, according to Steve, we could have stopped it. We had all the signs, but we never did. Like, do, okay, do you think the problem is that is that we, you and I, didn't try to stop it? I think, I think Steve means as a society. As <laughs> okay, so, like, it's as a culture, but, like, you gotta make sure that it's not, like, I did everything I could. Yes. It we, was my call. We worked hard to... To stop it as much as we could. Matt and I, in particular, yeah, worked very hard. Yeah. All right. Here are the entries on Steve's list of the warning signs for Doomsday Clock. Okay. Justice League Volume Two, issues thirty-five to thirty-nine: The Amazo Virus, written by Jeff Johns, penciled by Doug Monkey and Jason Fabok. Didn't read it. I f- I feel like I did. Well, you you loved that run. I know. I mean, I didn't, but I feel like you, I read. You loved you loved 
what what was it called? Mr. Briggs of Sin? Yeah. Yes. Trinity War, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you love that thing where uh, Ultraman did cocaine. Well, that was Forever Evil. Forever Evil, that's what I was thinking of. You loved loved, uh, Ultraman doing crypto-cane. Trinity War was a different story that I made very clear that I utterly hated. See, even, even Biscuit knows... Oh, you're leaving it in. Okay. I I'm, I will not edit uh, this show. <laughs> All right. I look fair. <laughs> I I very lightly edit at best the Every Story Ever specials because they got to be two hours long. So we, we record two hours. We give you two hours. That's yeah. That's pretty much how it goes. All right. I mean, I'm look, gonna... I, can, I can tell you for free. I didn't read it. I feel like I did, so I'm going to go look at these issues. I may have stopped reading by this point. I just Actually, had the thought, I just had the thought, maybe it's good. And then I I wanted to, like, I, I, I want to go, like, look in the mirror and yell at myself for that. Yeah. Okay, in, now that I'm looking at it, I think maybe this is I had stopped reading Jeff Johns Just Asleep by this point. This I'm I'm looking at these issues. It is weird to see Doug Monkey drawing this much like Gary Frank. It isn't it? This is so Gary Frank looking. Yeah. This art. It's pretty pretty shocking. It I mean it doesn't look bad. Like I, I like Doug Monkey and I like Gary Frank. Uh, generally speaking, but like this doesn't quite look like Doug Monkey. Oh, okay. The prologue I didn't really remember at all, but I'm looking at the the first official issue of this. I absolutely remember this. Oh man, this. Oh yeah, this story sucked. <laughs> Oh man, that was a great little revelation. So, if I remember correctly, Lex Luthor at this time was a member of the Justice League. I vaguely remember that happening. And he had created the Amazo virus, which, if you remember, Amazo, the character existed in the New Fifty Two, because right. in in the first Justice League adventure, after they get together as a team, after the they, spend, they fought Mister Graves, yeah, that story starts with them having already defeated Amazo, skipping yeah, like, over a story we would want to see. Yeah, they're, they're like you know, bringing Amazo to jail, Amazo yeah. who doesn't exist. Until that panel. Yeah. For all intents and purposes. Yeah. Yeah. I remember being mad about that because that's the kind of thing I get mad at. Yeah, it sucked. It sucks shit. And this story also sucks shit. It's, first of all, it's the Justice League versus a virus, which nobody wants to see. I mean, like, okay. I will say, I don't think 
that's necessarily true. Because I think there's things you can do with, like, like you know, like I, I don't think that's inherently a bad idea. Superheroes fight a virus. I think maybe we don't want to see it now, but in what? What was this? Twenty fourteen? Yeah, probably, probably twenty. Probably twenty fourteen. Yeah. I mean, I would rather see Justice League fight a a big robot that has all the powers of the Justice League. Yeah. And weird yeah. haircut and like no shirt but pants. <laughs> I always liked that he had Wonder Woman's lasso. Okay, but do you want to see the Justice League fighting specifically a virus that like they're seeing people cough up blood and die in front of them in the street. And they're like, we don't know what to do. I mean, no. And like, the only thing they can do is look for patient zero, who I think ends up being like a Mazo, like, you know, the, the Amazo of, or what is intended to be the the Amazo of the New Fifty Two? Okay, it's it's Armin Icarus, who is yeah, who's New Fifty Two Amazo. It's not Professor Ivo. No, it's Armin Icarus, the monster-looking dude who creates Amazo. Well, Lex Luthor created Amazo with the virus. And the guy who became Amazo was Armin Icarus, despite there having already been Amazo in the New 52 established. Okay. Then Batman gets sick with a virus. Mm, I, yeah, I can see he's not wearing a mask. Because uh, we want that to happen, right? There's the, the end of one of the issues is Batman like turns to the camera and he's like, I've been exposed. Yeah, I was just looking at that, and I was like, it took me a minute. There's so many things that could mean. Because he's fighting a guy named Bullet. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. <laughs> Which, boy, if there's anybody that Batman should be able to beat. I guess Superman should be able to beat him a little easier, because he's faster. Right, yeah. But, but like, like, I looked at it and I was like, oh, did somebody find out he's Bruce Wayne? And it's like, oh no, he's got he he got his little mask broken, and now he's he's got he's gonna have to take a test. Don't go over to his house. Here's the thing: once people get the amazovirus, they don't just get sick; they also like become. It's like having a virus makes you like a mutant in X Men, where you're a different group of people. And it's like, we're going to take over because you humans suck. And we, the infected, are the true, are the the real people who should be in charge. Okay, Matt, you're telling me this. And, and, I like, I'm coming up with a story in my head that, Every sentence you say, like every new thing you tell me about this story, is like, oh, well, that's not what it should be. 
Uh-huh. Like, because when you said, like, oh, you you know, when you get infected, I was like, oh, so it's the Amazovirus, so when you get infected, do you get, like, one of the Justice League's powers? So there's just, like, a bunch of people running around with, like, Flash powers and Green Lantern powers, and, like, that, that kind of sounds fun. Because, you know, like, like what, like, what if an asshole gets those powers? <laughs> to my knowledge, to my recollection of this story, there's nothing about that in here. Because that's what the Amazovirus seems like it should be, though, right? The Amazovirus, yeah, the Amazovirus, I think, gives people powers, but they're not necessarily the Justice League's powers. And by the end of this story, Amazo's not a guy who has all the Justice League's powers. He's just a guy with a virus that wants to make other people sick. Okay, but like, Amazo is a robot that has the Justice League's powers. I I know that. Yes. Like, there's that one really good, uh, it's actually a, well, it's a credited to Mark Miller story. Uh Uh-huh. So it's a Morrison Miller story. Uh Uh-huh. Where, uh. Like, they fight Amazo, and he's, like, super strong, so they keep calling in reinforcements, and they keep calling in, like, Justice League Reservists. And Amazo keeps getting stronger, and then they eventually realize, that like, oh, it's because he has all the powers of the Justice League. So every time we call in fucking Blue Beetle or whatever, or, or fucking Bloodwind, he gets more powerful. So Superman's like, okay, uh, I'm officially disbanding the Justice League. <laughs> and then Amazo doesn't have any powers anymore? Yeah. So, I was thinking, oh, so these are, like, the Amazovirus is a virus that has the powers of the Justice League. (laughs) And I, now I sound like I'm insane. But that's a good idea. And there are none of those in this. There are none of those in this. But like, if you hear Amazovirus, and you know what Amazo is. Yes, but this is the new 52, Chris, so everything's different. But Amaz- but Amazo's not different. Amazo's a robot with the powers of the Justice League. We know that from Justice League number seven. This is the thing. This is the thing about these Jeff Johns comics. They make me sound insane. <laughs> they make me sound like I'm a a combination between a dude yelling on a street corner and the comic book guy from The Simpsons. Here's but the thing. As For- I have said before, I didn't make that up. You made that up. You did that. You said that was a thing. For somebody who loves the Silver Age as much as Jeff Johns does, he sure does fuck up shit from it. You know, Jeff Johns once told me that he doesn't love the Silver Age. Because he's not that much older than us. He's like, like, he's in the generation prior to you and me. So he, like, he loves, like, the Bronze Age. Okay. Like Bronze Age and, and like early uh, post Bronze Age, you know, like post Crisis DC Comics. Like he likes that stuff. It, it, that's what he told me, anyway. And it's like, but do you? <laughs> how can you? How can you love Hal Jordan that much if you don't love Silver Age shit? You could have stopped that sentence halfway through. <laughs> that's true. Oh, you know how this story ends, by the way. Uh, Hal Jordan comes back. Hal Jordan comes back. Yeah, yeah. Because the Justice League turns into zombies. Okay, they all get the Amazovirus too, or a lot of them do. Everybody, but basically S- Superman and Wonder Woman, because they're immune. 
And they call in Captain Cold to freeze everybody because they realize that freezing the virus will halt it. Halt Is it. this when Captain Cold had had like a like a short sleeve top? Like like he had like a fuzzy tank top? No, he doesn't have a fuzzy tank top. Oh, okay. Uh, but he he comes in and he freezes everybody, and it cures everybody but Amazo. And here's what Lex Luthor says about him at the end of the comic. Amazo, whose name is... I almost called him Armin Shimmerman, but that's who played Quark on Deep Space Nine. Armin Icarus is his Armin name. Armin Icarus. Unlike the others that were infected, for some reason I'll determine shortly, our cure has been unable to kill the virus within him, though keeping him at low temperatures is holding his powers in check. There is a silver lining. We can study this one. We can prepare for future meta-outbreaks if they were to occur. While congratulating me on saving the human race, the president himself requested my assistance on this. You can check with Steve Trevor if you want to verify that. So, That's like, saying that. Yeah. So, Wasn't like, he created the virus? Correct. He created it, and then he stopped it, so he got congratulated by the president. Thanks, Obama. But, like, he would have been president at that time. That's true. Yeah. So, like, instead of have being a guy with all the powers of the Justice League, which he already was when he appeared earlier in this run, mm-hmm. Amazo is now just a guy with a virus. But, <laughs> Matt, I hate that I keep asking this. But it's a virus that gives him the Justice League's powers. No. So what powers does he have? According to the DC database. Oh, okay. So he it basically makes him taskmaster. It says, the Amazo virus gives Patient Zero the ability to mimic every power he came into visual contact with. He does it by mutating his body accordingly to a, the ability he's replicating. Okay, okay, okay. So, so, so that- it's, not, it's not Taskmaster, it's Super Scroll. Yeah, but that's, that's closer to being Amazo. That means that if he fights the Justice League, he's got Justice League powers. Yeah. Okay, but if enough. he just fights Batman, Batman's going to kick his ass. I mean, I guess they'll fight equally good. No, but they won't, though. Because that's not... It's not a power. If, it's not powers. Yeah. Like, if he fights Green Arrow and Batman, he's going to get his shit wrecked. According to the DC database, one of his powers is infection. <laughs> this story sucks shit. <laughs> Man. Matt Wilson going hard. Uh, I like it when you hate a story. Yeah. I'm used to it when I hate a story, but I like it when you, when it really gets you. Yeah. Let's see. Let's. Let, I'm gonna. I'm gonna put this somewhere. I don't think this is as bad as the Lightning Saga. The Lightning Saga is trash garbage. It might not be. It's probably not as bad as Injustice: God Among Us. Gods Among Us Year One. Better maybe probably better than Superman Earth One and Batman Earth One. 
Batman Earth One, the the story, the Jeff John story, where Batman goes to fight the Penguin, and then um, gets his ass kicked so bad that Alfred has to show up and kill the Penguin with a gun. You know what? It's not better than though. What's that? The Gathering of Five. Mm, doesn't sound like it. Now, if 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 Lex Luthor got wizard powers, uh, yeah, in this, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so I'm putting it the new number 1,469. Nice. 14 nice. It's between The Gathering of Five and Batman Earth One. And it is Justice League numbers 35 to 39, the Amazovirus. Boy, this is the this is the neighborhood. Just looking at my my list, because Matt, you just have the the text list. I have a spreadsheet with like creator information and everything. Yeah, uh, this is the part of the list where Jeff Johns lives. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> where did we put Mister Graves? I think Mister Graves might be above this, uh, but not that much. We ranked the Mister Graves story right. Oh yeah, we definitely did. Cause I remember I made the note, and the note just says "Mr. Graves." Okay, what number is that? I'm out of curiosity. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, that's at fourteen thirty-six. So a bit above that, but not too far. Yeah. Well, because that had a mezzo in it. <laughs> and we were like, well, at least it's got a mezzo in it. Okay, next is a book I haven't read. Okay. It's also a Jeff Johns comic. It is uh, Day of Judgment, written by Jeff Johns, penciled by Matthew Smith, in which Asmodel, the king angel of the bull host from the Grant Morrison run on JLA, freezes hell, and it's it ends up being a story about Hal Jordan. Yeah, Day of Judgment was the story where uh, Hal Jordan became the Spectre. I did not realize that was a Jeff Johns thing. It is. It is Jeff Johns and Matthew Smith. Yeah, it's like it's like an early Jeff Johns thing. I mean, I guess it. Nineteen ninety nine. It makes sense that it was a Jeff Johns thing, and I know I read it, and I probably read it because I liked Jeff Johns at the time because I was reading like, like Stars and Stripe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is where um, basically Jim Corrigan goes to heaven. Uh, so the, the human part of the specter goes to heaven. Okay. And so the specter is now just the embodiment of God's wrath with no human presence guiding it. And that went on for a little while, right? Uh, it did go on for a little while, but then. Like Day of Judgment is like, like, like this is it, the shit's popping off now. Okay. So the, uh, a bunch of stuff happens. Demons are running around. Um, if you're if you're reading Our Man, and if you're reading Our Man, Stars and Stripe, and other C C tier DC books that I liked a lot, uh, then it is. <laughs> Then it really derails things. Uh-huh. Uh, but, yeah, basically, like, you know, demons run around everywhere, people get judged, and they're like, hey, um, 
the specter, like the embodiment of divine wrath should probably not just be running unchecked. We should probably put a human in this, which is weird because, you know, because I mean, Matt, you, you know, I am a, I am, I'm a non-believer. I, I, I am an atheist. Famously something you say at the beginning of every apocryphals. Yeah. But the existence of the specter also implies the, you know, like also necessitates the existence of God. Well, if, if the specter is God's wrath, then there must be a God for it to be the wrath of. Yeah. And I mean, like John Ostrander and Tom Mandrake were like, hey, he's not just a ghost. He is the the literal wrath of the Christian God to uh-huh. the point where a f- really fun thing that I like uh, in this is this is good DC canon. This is deep cut DC canon. Uh, the Spectre was imprisoned in limbo from uh, from one uh, CE to thirty three CE because uh, vengeance and forgiveness cannot walk the world at the same time. So. In the DC universe, the opposite of the specter is Jesus. Uh-huh. So we got we got forgiveness for 33 years, and then all the rest of history, vengeance. Well, I mean, Matt, have you read any history? <laughs> it pretty much tracks. I mean, I don't want to spoil the New Testament for you, but you know what they did to Jesus? <laughs> yeah, I, do, I do know that, yes. I yeah. do know that. And all his bros, too. All his, all his good buddies. Yeah. I think I think one of them made it. Yeah, yeah. I think I think Peter. I think Peter. Uh, did no? Peter was crucified upside down. Yeah, none of them made it, man. None of them made it. None of them got out alive. Yeah. But who does? Um. <laughs> so yeah, you would think that like the omniscient God of who this of whom the specter is a part of would be able to like exercise judgment, you know, you'd think, but, but it is like a weird, like I'm really getting into like the theology of the DC universe now. And none of this is Jeff Johns's fault, but like it is a weird thing of like the specter is the embodiment of God's wrath, but is not apparently like subordinate. Like if the specter just wants to turn everybody into his fingers and they're also candles and sets them on fire and watches them melt as the specter is prone to doing, then God's super chill with that. The, the, the tetragrammaton does not involve himself in the, in the affairs of, of earth, except by sending the specter down and Jesus wants Right. Anyway, they decide that they're gonna that, that they need a guy to be the specter to kind of like you know firestorm up with the specter, and uh, and so that guy is gonna be Hal Jordan. Hal Jordan, who um, famously got really mad one time and murdered all his friends. I mean retconned into being he got possessed by a space demon and did that but yes but this was well before that and that was not the plan and you know that wasn't the plan because i wouldn't have made him the fucking specter 
in issue three, he comes back and apologizes <laughs> for killing all those people. And then I'm sorry. Yeah, he says, I'm sorry. And then he like takes off his parallax clothes and puts on his Green Lantern clothes. And that is all the explanation given for his return. Yeah. And, and then like he ends up becoming the Spectre. Um yeah. there's some kinda like kinda cool stuff in here. Like I do like when they gotta fight the Spectre, so they go get the Spear of Destiny. Which is like a cool little thing. Like that this is the thing that I liked about Jeff Johns back then was that like, oh hell yeah, the Spear of Destiny. And 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 dude showing up from from Morrison Justice League and Sentinels of Magic. Remember Felix Faust's kid who carries Felix Faust bones around and uses them to stab people? That dude's in this. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. The best thing about Jeff Johns is his mind for obscure DC Comics minutia. The worst thing about Jeff Johns is his mind for obscure DC Comics minutia. Yeah, kinda. Or, or his. I mean, the worst thing about Jeff Johns is that he um, thinks it's okay for Mary Marvel to see Doctor Manhattan's dick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, like the, the worst thing about Jeff Johns is that there is like no consideration of the implications of anything he writes beyond what is like literally happening on the page. I, I think yes. I was oversimplifying it a little bit for the sake of kind of a joke, but like he he, he has he kind of has an Ill, inability to let things go. And so he'll contort and bend over backwards to make a thing fit when it really doesn't. Because he's like trying to do a spin on a story that came before. But that doesn't always work. Here's Here's why I think this is on this list. Because there's a scene in Day of Judgment where Hal Jordan, after he's like, I'm sorry for murdering all of my friends, for murdering yeah. Killbog. An, an entire, yes, all of the Green Lantern Corps and an entire city of human beings. He didn't blow up the city. Okay. He didn't. That was, that was, the, that was the Eradicator. Yeah, okay, okay. Right, yeah, right, right. Or no, that was Cyborg Superman. It's right, hard okay. to keep all this shit straight, man. I, I have not read this shit in 20 years. Yeah, it's been a long time. But there's a part where he, like, he's like, I need some help. And so he gets, like, magically charged up by Dr. Occult. Dr. Occult's never getting over. Never. <laughs> and then uh, Alan Scott is like, can you handle it, Hal? And Hal goes, I can't, but we can. And he uses that magic power that could create anything you can imagine to like, make all the Green Lantern Corps guys that he murdered. That he fully, like, like, even when they were like, Hal, we know you're going through a lot, but it's like, this is, this is well beyond, like, the, 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 the length of, like, a temporary insanity defense. <laughs> like, you don't have to do this. Like, we can talk this out. And he was like, sorry, Kilowog, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, it's, 
it's weird. First of all, a that's weird. That that Hal Jordan's like, I'm gonna bring back all my dead friends that I killed. Come on, Chip. Come on, guy, Crystal guy, whose name I used to know. Come on, Tomare. I guess that's, that might be Tomar too. Actually, come on, Cat Matui. That's weird. Because those are people he killed. Uh, right. Yes. The other, like the other thing is that's a riff on an Alan Moore bit where they're fighting Necron and how Jordan goes into the land of the dead and, and they do the, you know, like every green lantern alive can't beat this guy, but every green lantern that ever died can. And how, you know, all the dudes get up out of the mud and they, they're like, you know, covered in these tortured souls covered in mud or whatever because they're in the land of the dead and they like all wipe off their chests and you see they've all got green lantern symbols on because they're all the dead green lanterns that's a really cool moment from alan moore like like we were talking about with the rala fan earlier Uh uh i'm telling you that dude how how different the world would be if alan moore just runs a goddamn green lantern stories (laughs) so it's a riff on that but Hal Jordan killed all those guys. <laughs> yeah, and then and then he's just like, well, I guess I'm going to be the host of uh, of the infinite power of God's wrath, and also nobody's going to remember that it's me because that was a weird thing about that that part of the run or that part of the character. I guess there was an ongoing series that came out of this that had the very curvy logo. If you go look it up. But, like, it's real weird that Hal Jordan, it's it's such a publication decision, and it's such a decision to give Hal Jordan a consolation prize. To, to put Hal, Jeff Johns really wanted to bring Hal Jordan back, period. I don't even I don't even know if that was it. Not at this point. Because I don't feel like this is his pitch. Uh, maybe not. I mean, maybe it this, is. This was pretty early in his career, his DC career. So yeah, but I mean, like at the, he was still like he was not the the guy that he would become. This is still early in his comics career. He hadn't had a lot of success with a lot of things yet. This is pre Flash, uh, obviously. He was still like the Hollywood guy who came in with like, like he's Richard Donner's boy at this point. Uh huh. So like, there's that, but like, I don't feel like this is his pitch. Maybe it was, but it's such a weird. Like, I kind of want to give the the young, bright eyed, fresh faced Jeff Johns a little bit of credit. I mean, because like, this is such a th- it's such a consolation prize because Hal Jordan gets a bad ending. My yeah, I mean yes. My I based on what you're saying, I feel like this story is fine. It's fine. It's yeah. not. It's it's not the worst Detective Comics comics crossover or fifth week event that I read. In the late 90s and early 2000s. Yeah. It's better than Joker Last Laugh. All right. The, the, there's there's a starting point. Do we have Last Laugh on here? I, I'm quite... I'm pretty sure we do. 
Uh, yeah, it's 1397, so we can start looking at 1396. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's fine. Like, like, it's fine. It just doesn't make any sense and is weird and didn't matter and made things worse. And did, and does the thing where Hal Jordan, like, <laughs> says, I'm sorry, and brings back. I'm sorry. Yeah. But it, it's not as bad as Civil War Frontline. That's at 1377. Yeah, probably not. It's it's probably about as good as as fate. Sorry, Patrick. Is it as good as Amazon's attack, which is at thirteen sixty six? No, Amazon's attack is secretly uh, a hoot. Amazon's attack is like not good, but it is enjoyable to read. Okay, how does it rank against Rise of the Midnight Suns at thirteen sixty eight? I mean, pretty pretty much like dead on, dude. Yeah, they seem like Probably comparably a little bit better. Okay, I, I will say, like we've talked a lot about Jeff Johns, um, Matthew Smith, uh, not the guy that that I used to work with. Um, I believe this is this is uh, I, I think this is Matt D. Smith, who's a a, a 2000 AD guy, but also different from Matthew Dow Smith. Uh, that might be who I was thinking of. This is okay. This is Matthew Dow Smith. Yeah, yeah, that's him. Okay, okay, yeah. I mean, it's you know, it looks pretty good. He's got like yeah. kind of a Mignola thing in a lot of this, like when he draws like classic Spectre and when he draws Etrigan, which is how yeah. you should draw those dudes. Yeah, I, I think he's well suited to the to the book. The art is. I have nothing bad to say about the art that I've seen. Yeah, I'm, I think we should put this one right below Amazon's Attack. Okay, which is really a hoot. At the new number 1367, Day of Judgment. One more from Steve. It's JLAJSA Virtue and Vice, written by Jeff Johns and David S. Goyer, penciled by Carlos Pacheco. Okay, here's the thing. I really liked that book when it came out. I really liked that book. A lot when it came out, you know, original hardcover graphic novel, Carlos Pacheco art, yeah. the JLA and the JSA teaming up. Uh, I I I really liked it. I have not read it in twenty years, minimum. So I don't. If I go back and read it, I'm not going to like it. Probably not. If I go back Probably and read not. It, it's going to make me mad. <laughs> I don't think I read it when it came out. Because I'll be one hundo with you, Chris. Mm -hmm. At this time, and kind of ever since, I don't give a shit about the JSA. I'm sorry, I'd never have. Look, man. That's, that's, that's legit. But, But do you give a shit about them when Carlos Pacheco draws them, though? I mean, Carlos Pacheco art is like the thing that would get me on board. Do you, do you, do you like him when uh, Carlos Pacheco draws that awful uh, that one Kyle Rayner costume that's really bad and has like ribs on it? <laughs> you know, when Carlos Pacheco draws it, it doesn't look too bad. There is a scene in here when where Power Girl fully just like licks Superman's mouth. 
Okay, I'm about to send. I'm about to send you something okay. that I think is proof that, in hindsight, this book's not going to be good. Okay, and it has to do with Power Girl. Uh, okay. I'm I'm sending you the screenshot right now. All right, all right. Here uh, we go. It's loading. Hang, okay, here we go. So there's a part in this where oh, they yeah yeah where they go to the Rock of Eternity. And they're looking for the wizard Shazam, but he's like turned to stone. Yeah. And various superheroes, members of both the JLA and JSA, are the seven deadly sins. Yeah, the the plot of this is that the seven deadly enemies of man, the seven deadly sins that live in the Rock of Eternity, um, escape and pos- each one possesses one of the the superheroes. Right, so Mr. Terrific is Pride, Kyle Rayner is Envy, Plastic Man is Greed, Batman is Anger, Dr. Fate is Sloth, Captain Marvel slash Shazam is Gluttony, and the only woman, Power Girl, is Lust. Yeah, everything about this makes sense. Except that in canon, Power Girl is not like a particularly horny character. Right. Like, like, Batman is an angry guy. Eel O'Brien was a thief. You know, Kyle Rayner has a good reason to be jealous of other people. I do really like Sleepy Dr. Fate. Uh, yeah, Th- there's a there's there's an element of this book specifically where, like, right from the start, Kyle Rayner is mad at, uh, uh, the original Green Lantern, uh, Alan Scott, about he's like I'm the only Green Lantern, and he like gets pissed off and makes a bunch of dragons that blow up uh, the JSA headquarters. Because, like, I mean, I guess they've already been infected by the seven deadly enemies of man by that point, so that's why he's so jealous of of Alan Scott, but yeah, man, it's weird. Like, do a second pass on this, bud. Uh, That, I mean, that's, that's the Jeff Johns story. Yeah. Because, like, like it, it's... Add another woman to the seven, swap somebody out, or make Power Girl a different deadly sin. Yeah, because, like... Like... Power, the thing is, Power Girl's not the only one that doesn't make sense. Yeah. It's, it's Power Girl and it's Captain Marvel. Like, Gluttony... Is not really like by any like stretch, like that's not a flaw of Billy Batson. Right? Like Billy Batson is is not a character who overindulges in anything. I mean, I, I guess there's an explanation for like he's a kid and thus he doesn't have Well, he's a teen, which means he should be lost. Yeah, that's true. Which would actually be like in 
in the hands of another writer, funny. In the hands of Jeff Johns, we know exactly where that goes. Because yeah. it did, in fact, go there. Right. It would be. Yeah, like, would, you know, why don't. Why is it. I mean, I know why it's Power Girl is the thing. But there's no. There's no story justification for it to be Power Girl. No, they wanted Carlos Pacheco to draw sexy Power Girl. Yeah. Like, I'm looking at the roster of characters who are in this comic, and it's like. God, it really should have been Billy Batson. That'd be funny as hell. I mean, Gluttony could have been. Was I? I would assume Wally was the Flash at this time. Yeah, but he doesn't. He, he doesn't need to to do that yeah. anymore. Yeah, but like, like, I mean, I hate to say this because it's such a, a reduction, but like, the Hour Man in this comic is Rick Tyler, who was a drug addict. Like, if you want to play with like you know indulgence and addiction like he is right there yeah like lust could be green arrow pretty easily that's a that's a canonically horny character Mm -hmm. it's just weird man it's weird it's like i'm getting hung up on this one specific part without getting into the further context of the story but yeah but like that's the like that's that's the thing though about like a lot of Jeff Johns comics, you can boil their flaws down to a single moment, and it tells you everything you gotta know. Dude's yeah, a classic yeah. comic where Mary Marvel saw Dr. Manhattan's dick. That is the entire problem with that comic in one panel. Well, it's I, I feel like so much of Jeff Johns comics, like my note for them is you're so close. Just think about this a little harder. Yeah. Just, you know? just say it out loud. Yeah, right. Someone needs to tell you, hey, you've got the kernel of a good idea here, but the execution is is a little off. So like, why don't we just massage it a little bit and make it like really click, like really hum here. And Nobody's telling him that. Yeah. Nobody's been telling him that for 20-plus years. I don't want to let David Goyer off the hook on this either. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> David Goyer is very much like... Jeff Johns is a better writer than David Goyer. And Goyer has a very similar problem. Yeah. There's a there's an episode of Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities written by David Goyer. The director and writer of Blade 3? That's right. He Okay, so David Goyer wrote this episode, and as soon as I, like, as I was watching it, I, I was like, David Goyer wrote this. Because everybody's explaining everything too much, and it's like, it's just so much fucking talking, when it could be an effective story. And then after I watched it, I go and I read reviews of this show, and like that's so many people's favorite episode, and I feel like I am losing my mind. I feel like I am in a different reality. Because it's it's just like the Jeff Johns problem. There's a kernel of a good idea that is totally ruined in execution. Yeah. Uh, I I I will say uh, as much as I like. 
the look of him. Um, there's also no, like, Dr. Fate being sloth also doesn't make sense. No. I don't know well, who would go there, but it doesn't make sense I, for it to be Dr. Fate. I mean, that like, I feel like you could plug many other people in there and justify it. Like, who's but a lazy superhero? Sense. Like, what, what is... is you'd have to get Major Bummer. <laughs> oh, man. They could have. Yeah. But, like, you know... Like, Billy Batson would make more sense for Sloth, too. Because, like... Yeah. You know, he's he's got all the, these god powers. He didn't have to, like, work hard at anything. That's true. That's true. So... This is going to be one of those, like, we don't remember it well enough to rank it. I, I never read it, so you didn't, you don't remember it well enough to rank it. I, I remember really liking it, and now all I can see are its flaws. Yeah, yeah. I, I, this feels like something to revisit, but we'd have to read it. <laughs> yeah, man. I kind of don't want to. <laughs> Uh, but that's remember gonna. When, remember when when uh, uh, Jeff Johns and David Goyer were like, "I know what'll get Johnny Thunder over is if uh, Jakeem Thunder stops having the Thunderbolt, and the Thunderbolt is Johnny Thunder, so that Jakeem Thunder now just has an eighty-year-old white guy with genie powers who's a canonical dumbass." Uh-huh. I will tell you what rules. I, I, I'll give you this for free. The thing that rules in this comic is when Despero takes that American flag and makes it a cape. Yeah, but that's just a riff on a better story. And then Superman shows up and chokes him with it. Yeah, but that's just a riff on when Despero showed up in uh, in the Giffen to Mattias uh, Adam Hughes story. And it's like one of my favorite just League stories of all time and was wearing the United Nations flag. Yeah, right. as a cape. yeah, 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 yeah. All right, we got to wrap up this special. If you want to uh, send us an Every Story Ever list, you can do it at our email address, which is warrocketpodcast at gmail.com. These specials are made possible by your support on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash warrocketajax to contribute at the $10 level. You get line-stepping privileges for these segments, these specials, and for our Thursday Night Raw specials on the regular War Rocket Ajax show. Uh, so go over to Patreon and help us out if you can. If you can't help us out on Patreon monetarily, leave us a five-star review on the podcasting app you use or uh, spread the word about the show on social media. We're on Blue Sky at warrocketajax.bsky.social. We're on Tumblr at warrocketpodcast.tumblr.com. Our website is warrocketajax.com. Warrocketwiki.com is the fan repository of War Rocket Ajax information. We have a Discord that you have to be invited to be a member of, but if you ask us for an invitation, we'll almost certainly send you one if you're nice about asking for one. And if you want to find me and my stuff, go to mattdwilson.net to find links to everything. Chris, where can people find you? Everybody can find me pretty much just right here on War Rocket Ajax. That's the way to do it. And and on other podcasts, Poker Pals, go listen on to that other show. podcasts that are not updated as regularly, but I, I do still do them. They are still active.
Bye, everybody. See you next Bye, time. Bye, everybody. Forever, 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 forever. Yes! From this day on, let every breed of mongrel live together.